Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. Welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Spencer Locker. It works. Hey! <laughs> well, listen, me and Spence have just had a bit of technical issues this morning. Um, yeah, for some reason, we, we couldn't text each other, ring each other, but it seems to be resolved now. So, Spence, we're back. We're back in <laughs> business. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing, mate? We're on uh, June the 11th. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're winding up now instead of winding down, and we're getting ready to... Uh, reintegrate in july um fingers crossed all the everything's going in the right direction but how are you mate you've been working from home solidly now for what three months um but now you say it like that you say it sounds like a long time but it doesn't feel like that um, i'm doing all right to be honest with you um it's not my ideal situation i've got to say and i think that's that's something that um that might need to might need people to start start thinking about because we've had this conversation before haven't we when when we when we've been in a a group dynamic with with everybody else at work and um, and people have been saying, oh, how are you doing? And other people have been saying, I've, I'm, I'm struggling. I've got to say I'm having a bit of a job. And I've said I'm doing all right. Now, it, it might be quite easy for people to sort of think, well, he's all right then. He, he enjoys working from home. And I think it's a case of I don't particularly enjoy working from home, but it isn't affecting me negatively like it's affecting other people. You know, does that yeah, make it does, sense? Mate. It's that age-old, um, It's that age-old sort of, thing in our psyche where somebody will always say to you how are you doing or how's things and 99 times out of 100 we humans will always respond with yeah fine great or or, you know what i mean even if we're not right even if we're not we will most of us will go yeah fine yeah fantastic great all good thanks even if we're having an absolute nightmare it's just that human thing right (laughs) there's obviously the odd people who will just spill their beans and their life to you and say how, how terrible everything is. But 99 times out of 100, human beings generally default to, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. And I, <laughs> and I think that's that's probably describes the way we feel in COVID. It's not exactly thrilling and exhilarating and we're having the best time of our lives, but it's not all, it's not dire either. You know, I think yeah. one of the things that uh, has been a positive for me in, in, in all of this is that I've slowed down a little bit. I said it on previous podcasts. Uh, I've had more thinking time, uh, my general fitness yeah. levels and my um, and my ability to train and exercise has gone up. Um, my alcohol consumption has gone up as well, though, Spence. So <laughs> I think I'm just <laughs> treading water at the minute. But yeah, all right is probably that middle ground. But my view now is we, we were, I, gen, I don't know about you, Spence, but with customer engagements back on the rise, with us now moving offices, we're getting back into the workplace post-July, we're looking ahead at delivery. I feel like I'm ramping back up again to, you know, to something. And um, yeah, I'm excited by it, mate. I really am. I, I was just about to say that, actually. I was just about to say that. I mean, I, I think we're looking in our work and the work that we do to, to a, every person who works for Trans2 Performance. Um, it's a vibrant um, and it's a, it, it, it's a vibrant atmosphere 
uh, no matter whether we're working remotely or we're working together in the office. Everything seems to be building up, the change of this, the, the fact that we've been in lockdown. It is an exciting time for us, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's exciting, and, and I don't think there's an, a, very many other words we could use to to actually describe it. Yeah, absolutely, mate, absolutely. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to work it out. We're still doing a lot of virtual delivery at the minute over Zoom, Microsoft Teams, etc. a lot of coaching, a lot of uh, delivery. Uh, but, you know, I, I had my first taste at social distancing classroom delivery last week. Uh, I delivered to a very small group at two metres distance in the classroom. And you know what? It just that, that you can, you, I, I love Teams and I love virtual technology and what it allows us to do. Uh, and I think one of the things I've learned, Spence, is sales meetings or internal meetings or review meetings with customers, they can all be done on Teams. There's no need. To, there's yeah. no need to be on the road traveling hundreds of miles anymore to visit a cook. They can be done, but when it comes to stuff like one-to-one development or client delivery, you it's just shown me that you cannot replicate it online. You can do a good job online, very much so. Yeah. But the, yeah, last week I had my first taste of social distancing in the classroom, and it was mega. It was absolutely brilliant, and I had my mojo back again. And yeah, it was it was great. So I'm looking forward to how that plays out because. We're going to have to offer a blend going forward. But for those who feel confident enough to come into the classroom under social distancing rules, it's such a great experience. And I think we're we're looking forward to seeing how that plays out, aren't we? Yeah, I've missed it. I must admit, I've missed it. Mm. (laughs) Absolutely, mate. So this podcast, Spence, um, numerous Mm. topics. We've done quite a lot recently on things like COVID, managing remote-based workers, isolation, all of that type of stuff. Recently, we've talked a bit about division and how society is being divided by things like Brexit and COVID nineteen and George Floyd, etc. So, so we we sort of we sort of talked a lot about that returning to work policies, all of that stuff. I just wanted to I just wanted to freshen it up um, and get back to some core content today, Spence. And I think one of the jobs we have to think about as leaders and organisations is whenever your workforce return in whatever fashion you decide and however you're going to operate in the coming weeks and months, the way you communicate is going to be key. And we always talk about communication, Spence, at Trans2. We we talk about many different uh, forms of leadership and situational leadership and the different styles and all the rest of it. But what I'm talking around is I want to link it to the challenge and threat state stuff that we do here at T2. Uh, In the context of, just to remind the listeners, Challenge state mindset is when an individual is is more focused on achievement than consequence. They're aware of the repercussions and the risks and consequence, but they're really focused on what they're doing and what they want to achieve. Whereas a threat state mindset is where individuals are overly focused on consequence, almost eradicating any focus on achievement. So that's when we start trying to not mess up. It's when we become overly avoidant of, of things that carry a risk. Now, we know, Spencer, that, you know, human beings in a challenge state are far more productive and positive and effective than they are in a threat state. Now, COVID is obviously putting human beings in a threat state by the nature of what it is. You know, people are worried. What if we get a second wave? What if I get COVID? What if my family gets COVID? Um, What about my children going back to school? What about my elderly relatives? All of this stuff, we're in a threat state by the nature that it's forcing us to focus on what might happen in the future and what that means to us. So I'm going to bring you in here, Spence. I think 
organizations and leaders have to really focus on that positive challenge state communication when they return because it would be so easy right it would be so easy under government legislation and social distancing rules to instantly start communicating in a threat state way around what your employees must not do when they come back into the workplace does this make sense it does it does very much so and um and i think it's really I mean, it's it's coincidental because this morning I've got I've got to admit this morning um, when I was working out, when I was in my little gym area, um, I've started listening to podcasts and watching podcasts. And I was watching that business lockdown podcast this morning. Were you All on right. it? Yeah. <laughs> talking about challenge and threat state? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it, I think it is a really good point you make about um, actually understanding what challenge state is. It's not the total dismissal and. Um, forgetting uh, and ignoring uh, the potential ramifications of failure or consequence. It's not that at all, is it? No. It's not walking around with a big smile on your face, everything's great, everything's great, blah, 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 blah. It's not that at all. Um, and I think sometimes when people think of chat at threat state without actually understanding it, they dismiss it out of hand because, well, that's not realistic. Well, actually, it is realistic because we're not dismissing the consequences of failure. We're just actually rationalising it and putting it into the the actual um, the, the the potential that it actually is. Because if we focus on success, we focus on what we want people to achieve and how they're going to achieve it. We don't really have to do that. We don't have to think about the 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 the, uh, the potential failures because okay, it's there, but that's not what, what we're focused on. Yeah. So I think yeah, you're right. You you are totally right there. That's that's something that people need to understand. It's not the total dismissal of of failure or or, or the or consequence of failure. Yeah, you're right. And I always use the term. It's a good point, Spence, because I always use the term when you're in a challenge state mindset as a human being. Yes, you are focused on the positive achievement of the task at hand. Yes, you are focused more on what you control and what actions you want to take. But you do have, and I use this statement, you do still have a healthy level of focus on consequence. But healthy is a really key word for me, and that's why I use it quite a lot. To have a healthy level of awareness of consequence is what gives you that fight or flight, that cortisol to say, switch on, this is important to you. And, and like, for example, you know, every time we get up in a classroom, Spence, in front of a dozen senior executives or even at a conference in front of hundreds of people, when we stand up there in the arena, if we didn't have a healthy level of focus on the consequence or an awareness of consequence, we wouldn't deliver a great talk, right, or speech. Because, you know, you, you need that heightened level of awareness of importance to be able to perform. So what I sort of go through is, I feel my fight or flight response being released. My heart rate raises. I'm a little bit hyperactive and jittery. I'm, I'm I, you know, I can't sit still. My, my pupils probably dilate somewhat and I'm ready to go. But the way I think about that is I don't become overly focused on the consequence where I go, oh, what if this goes wrong? What if the audience boo? What if I don't get a round of applause? What if I mess my words up? What if I don't know what I'm talking about? I don't go into that zone. What I do is I go, listen, I'm nervous. Right, because I understand that there's a consequence to getting this wrong. But I've done this before. I know what I'm doing and I am in control here. So I'm going to channel and harness this, these, these nerves to deliver the best possible 60 minutes that I can deliver. And that's what we're talking mm. about, isn't it, Spence? You need the healthy level of consequence. It's not 
just being an, a, an over-optimist. You need the healthy level of consequence to actually deliver the performance of a lifetime. And it's the same for sportsmen and women on big games or in big matches or in the big occasions. Um, and that's what we need. Um, so, yeah, Challenge State doesn't eradicate any focus on it. It, it just means you've got healthy level. Whereas a threat state expense is when you have an unhealthy focus on the consequence. In fact, you're consumed by the consequence of what might happen here. Yes, uh, and I think it's very it's very important. I mean, we do talk about. I'm sure we're we're going to come on to it shortly about um, sort of. Um, in, in uh, well, what's the word? It's actually uh, bringing out a challenge state in people um, rather than a threat state. So the language that you use to actually instill that challenge challenge state rather than a threat state, and it's and it's in, also interesting that if you find yourself in a challenge uh, in a threat state, then using challenge state language in your in your own monologue in your in your own head can bring you onto a challenge state rather than a threat state. Yeah, no, you're right. So so yeah, you, bringing it nicely into this link is is one of the biggest influences on on whether a person goes into a challenge or a threat state is language communication. And and you make an interesting point there. One of the biggest influences is other people's language towards you, but yeah. but it's also the language you use yourself, both in your head and verbally. So you've got you see it all the time, right? This is the the way I parent, and it, and it might be wrong, Spence, and it'd be interesting to see what you're like with your boys. But the way I parent is the one thing that frustrates me as a parent more than anything else, right? is when my children are constantly using threat state language. So when my, my girls, especially, are constantly going, I can't do this, I'll never be able to do that, I'm no good at this, right? When they're constantly telling themselves and talking to themselves and using language as to why they can't do stuff and, and what they think will happen if they do do stuff, it, it drives me crazy. And my job as a father is to instantly bring them back by giving them a challenge state uh, analogy or challenge state language. And, um, yes, you know, I I'll give you an example. The other day, my, my daughter said, Dad, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And I instantly said to her, it's not that you can't do it. It's just that it's difficult. And she went, mm. so, 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 so I said, and that's what, and, and so every time she says, I can't do something now, I say, you can't do it. And she goes, oh, no, it's not that I can't do it. It's just that it's difficult. I'll keep trying. And, and, and I think language plays a huge role. And I think if we link this in now, Spence, as organisations start to bring employees back and as we start to come out of COVID and as we start to look to the future, it will be so easy for managers to become consumed by saying to their employees what they must not do. So you must not go in that room. You cannot touch door handles. You must not be found not wearing a mask if you're constantly talking in that threat state way you're not going to mobilize and motivate and galvanize, galvanize the organization as much as you would if you focus on what you'd rather them do instead does that make sense totally agree totally agree i think um there's there's a lot of things that we can take from this um situ this lockdown situation that we've been in and i think that a lot for me just like as you said then it, with the homeschooling situation, if you're a parent, um, you, you're actually seeing your children in a different situation, a different context to how you usually see them. So, yeah, there's going to be challenges all the time. And I think that if you reflect 
on um, as, as a manager or a leader, if you reflect on how you communicate with, um, if you're if you're a parent, your children, uh, if you're a uh, married or or living in uh, having a serious relationship, then with your partner, um, how you how you reflect with those people, how you communicate with those people, and what the outcomes of those are. Was it a positive outcome or was it a negative outcome? And could the language that you use have changed? If you'd have changed the language you use, could the outcome have been changed? Yeah, absolutely, mate. The power of words, the spoken word, is so influential on mindset. You know, you, 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 we coach people a lot, Spence, and you know them coaching sessions where it's draining the life out of you because the, the, it's so dour in terms of the, the, the tone, the, the language, the words. And sometimes people as part of a coaching process need to offload that and get that out. And, I, and that's a really important point to make. But, you, you know, when, when, so, when, you, when we sit in front of someone and they open up and they're saying, you know, my life's challenging. I'm, a, I'm in a bad place. This is rubbish. That's against me. My marriage has broken down. My, I'm, my job, my manager has it in for me. I don't, I'm financially in trouble. Whatever it might be, right? It's that you can hear in the language of all the things that are going wrong and all the things that they perceive in the future of what this means for them. And they're just, and it's human nature, right? But we get ourselves into talking in a way which is just completely, completely counterproductive to developing a positive mindset. And, and you'll get other people who come in who, who have similar challenges, Spence, but there's a, there's a hint or a balance of optimism and for in their focus and in their mindset, you know, in terms of what is going well or what they can do or what they are doing or what they're trying to do. And I think it's so important. We see it. Language is is everything. The power of words is everything. And, you know, we get it wrong. We all get it wrong sometimes and we all get it right sometimes. But if more often than not, you can challenge yourself, you know, am I becoming consumed about what I can't do, what I don't control and what I perceive may happen in the future? Or am I remaining focused on what I do control, what I want to happen and what I want to achieve with a healthy level of the challenges and risks ahead? And, and that's the key yeah. to mindset for me. That's the key to sometimes a, it's a big contributing factor to mental well-being. Really is. I, I, I sometimes when I, um, I've, I've talked to people when I've done one-to-ones and when we've done coaching and things like that, and we've come across some people who've struggled to, when we've talked about uh, challenge state language and challenge state mindset and things like that, and they've struggled sometimes to sort of really get the concept. And one of the little analogies that I've used is always, has always has been, think back to the start of your professional career. Think back of those those times in your in your sort of late teens, early twenties, where you've been working with people uh, who have been influential on you. Not necessarily managers and leaders, but people who have who have influenced you. Now, in, if you think back to that, you you'll probably find that the the people you remember are the people who've brought out a challenge state in you. Think about these people who've spoken to you in a professional capacity, maybe, and you've sort of sat there thinking, you know what, when I'm older or when I'm, when I'm more experienced, I want to be that person. That's the, that's the person I want to be because they made me feel good about myself. They made me believe in myself, maybe um, achieve what I need to achieve because gen- generally speaking, they've, they've got the best out of you. Uh, they've challenged you because it's been in a challenged state language. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And it's the same with your kids. You know, the, if you encourage them to, to try things and to do things or to do things differently rather than reprimanding them for doing things wrong, the, the, the effect on their psyche, or, or, you know, on their inner, you know, confidence and their inner self-worth as they grow will be so much greater. And you're still addressing the same issues, but you're just focusing on, for example, when we when children do stuff wrong, we've all done it. We're parents. We tend to navigate. We tend to gravitate more towards stop doing that. What did you do that for? You know, you, that that's not right. This is not. And we have to teach them boundaries, rules, and discipline without doubt. But all we have to do is shift the language. What would you rather them do instead? What would you, so so instead of saying you know. Um, Stop doing, uh, stop banging on the TV with that. Stop banging on the TV with that. If you bang again on that TV with that, you are going to your bedroom. If you do that, you will sit on the bottom step. You know, if you carry on doing that, going down that road. Instead, what would you rather than do? And it's not just saying, I want you to stop doing that. It's, it's completely shifting their focus. Listen, you're clearly bored. Why don't we do X? Why don't you go and do why? Do you know what I mean? The difference in dealing with that situation in those two contexts will drive a more productive outcome in one than, than the other. So it's, it's really important that we try and think about language and the words that we use and whether they are focused on what we control and what we would want to do and rather do and achieve rather than what we want to stop doing and the consequence associated with that. And, 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 and and people say to me all the time, but Martin, aren't you, aren't you, uh, isn't there just an old school case for just saying that is plain wrong and I'm reprimanding? Well, you know, you could maybe say that. But what I'm saying here is I'm not saying you avoid addressing any issue. It's like in the workplace, Spence. I'm not saying a manager doesn't address underperformance. You absolutely bloody do. Right. But you address it in a way where you focus on what you would rather than do to fix the issue than what went wrong and who was to blame and the consequence around doing it again. Does this make sense? And it's hugely transformational yeah. when people get understand this. And I think that I think that understanding that, understanding the difference between challenge and threat state and the language you use to promote one rather than the other is going to be massively important in the next in the coming weeks and months. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Spence, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you if you've got any examples. Because I'm, 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 I can imagine people listening to this podcast being intrigued by what we're saying, but still maybe wanting some clarification of examples of a challenge state, statement versus saying the same thing, but putting people in a threat state. Um, and I think, you know, it's really important as we go back into the workplace through COVID-19 that actually we're going to have to communicate a lot of stuff to people that could easily be communicated in both ways. Let me give you an example. So let's say you've got organized, you're giving a brief to teams as they come back into the organization. You could easily say, listen, right, you must not break social distancing measures. They're there on the wall. We've communicated to them. You must not break them at any cost, right? You could easily deliver that. That is a threat state piece of communication. All of a sudden, as an employee, I'm trying to not mess up. I am trying to not, under any circumstance, break social distancing measures. My focus is not on my job or what I need to achieve. I'm just trying to not be in trouble. Does that make sense? Whereas a yeah. challenge state version of that would be, listen, we all know it's going to be difficult. We're here, but we must try our very best 
to stay two metres apart at all times. Now, the difference in that, you're saying the same thing, but the difference in the second version is me going, I'm going to try my best, because that's all I can do, to stay two metres apart at all times. And, and, I, and, and I, I can yeah. still then deal with that and focus on what I need to do. And, and I think that's an example of where we've got to be careful as we, as, we, as we set ground rules and boundaries as we go back in, where we've got to get people focused on what they can do rather than on what they must avoid. Have you got any other, Spencer? Am I putting you on the spot here? Well, yeah, yeah, putting me on the spot a little bit. But um, I, think, I think it's – yes, I've got a couple of examples, but the examples I've, I've got, I suppose um, – it's, it's, you've got to focus on how you say it rather than content because uh, some of the advice that we're getting at the moment is changing on a daily, weekly basis. Um, so it's, it's things like, um, I, I was reading, I was thinking this the other day, uh, avoid crowds, do not gather in groups. So, yeah, okay, I understand what's, what's happening there, but it's a threat, isn't it? Because straight away you're starting to think about what you don't want, it, what, you don't, what, what you want people not to do. But if, I mean, we were talking to a client the other day and they were talking about um, the staggering people coming into work and putting them in little bubbles. So you're actually getting groups, but within those groups, the people are getting tested and all that. So it might be the challenge there might be we are designating groups to work in. So if you can stay in those groups, that'd be great. Make sure you remain in the bubble that you associated to. My my, my 11 year old is at school at the minute, Spence, and she's in a bubble. There's bubbles of five in the class. And, and her instruction is, listen, this is your bubble of five. You stay two metres apart, but you stay within your bubble. Uh, you know? yeah. So all my daughter has to do is go, right, these five people are in my bubble. We can roughly stay together around the table areas as long as two metres apart. If I see somebody else that's not in my bubble, that's a problem. Whereas if you say to her, you must not get caught up in crowds. She's looking over her shoulder every two minutes around where everybody else is. And, and, and I think... Yeah. You know, you're at, you make a really good point there. It's just a shift in language and focus. Human beings want feel more in control when they understand what's expected of them and what they need to do. When you start communicating about what they must avoid, you're bringing everybody and everything else into play, which we don't control mm. a lot of, right? And, and the media, if you think about the media, Spence, the media have, have fueled this frenzy by saying... You know, you must not do this. You must not gather in large crowds. The virus can spread like this. You must wear, you know, you must not, you must wear a mask, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, that's where we're so worried about everything that's going on around us. So it's a great, it's a great example. Have you got another, Spence? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, so far we've talked about um, about to- uh, groups, groups of people. So addressing groups of people. Um, it might be that, I mean, we, we, we do talk about everybody being different and understanding that within a group, you may have different personalities, different viewpoints, different uh, trigger points and things like that. But when speaking to an individual, you might identify uh, that an individual um, may be struggling or um, may maybe panicking, maybe in that threat state. So a threat state um, conversation may start out like um, the organisation has strict rules about this, do not break them. Yes. But a challenge, a challenge state uh, conversation with that person might start, is there anything in particular you might be having trouble with? Or is there any, have you got any suggestions? Something like that. Yes. So you're actually, like, rather, than, rather than taking into account this, this individual's 
needs, um, or rather ignoring the individual's needs. You're actually getting an opportunity for this person to to try and sort of say, well, I'm struggling with this. All right, okay, fair enough then. Well, and then you can slip into that challenge, lang- challenge state language and you can take that individual from that threat state into the challenge state. Absolutely. I love that one. And, and, and sometimes, like, you know, even if the organisations uh, uh, that I've heard on some accounts are, are, are saying that in line with the government, if you are caught breaking social distancing rules in the workplace, you will be fined, right, by the, by, by the employer. Um, just like people are fining people, potentially the police are fining people on the street. So you think about that in the context of trying to get people to be accountable for uh, doing their very best to, to adhere to social distancing measures. You've now gone one step further saying, this is our policy. You must not get caught you know, breaching it. Otherwise, mm. you will be fined. The level of consequence around that communication is now tenfold, right? It's tenfold. And, and, and this is the thing we've got to be careful of. You know, if you're saying to people, listen, we have a policy and the policy is there to protect everybody in this organisation. So at an individual level, I want us to be accountable and do our level best, our very best, to adhere to the organisation's policy. And then to your point, on an individual level, is there anything that concerns you about your ability to stick to this? Is there anything concerning you right now? Because the, the employer, employee might say, well, listen, most of the time I can stick to that, but there's this particular part of my job where I'm in this small space with two other people, that's going to be a challenge. It opens the dialogue mm. to, 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 to issues or challenges with it. And, and as long as the person that is, is, is driving that dialogue and then that gets, gets some resolutions or answers, they're going to take the account, ownership and accountability to adhere to the social distancing measures. So you're absolutely right, Spence. Challenge versus threat state language. We love it at T2. We've developed programs around it. We incorporate it into everything we do, and it really works in, in terms of leaders who drive uh, productivity, accountability, engagement, uh, and really motivate and inspire the teams. But it's so crucial right now that because of COVID and because of the world we live in in 2020, that we don't become consumed in protecting ourselves and ticking boxes where we're just spewing threat state language out to our employees. And then we wonder why it creates that us and you mentality. Because you're right, if all you do is slap a load of rules on people, Spence, I, I see it with some of my friends who work in the manufacturing and construction industry. They're on WhatsApp groups just absolutely ripping the organisation. Oh, they expect us to do this and they've told us we can't do that and they've told us we can't do this. And the, the, it just creates that us and you mentality and they wonder why people are disengaged. Yeah, yeah. So it's really important Uh any final comments on this, Spence? We've just gone up to 30 minutes and I think it's flown by. <laughs> yes, I, think, yeah. I, I think we're going to call this the, the power of language uh, because understanding the power of language is, and its influence on others and on behaviours and on mindset is really important for the reasons we've discussed on this, this hubcast. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I just want people to really think, and if, you, if you're unsure about your manager's ability to really because let's face it, Spence, we are brought up as a species. We talk about this all the time. We are brought up as a general species to be in a threat state. You know, survival is our number one mechanism. Avoiding consequence and death and fear and all the rest of it is, is why we have cortisol and why we have our fight or flight. 
we have to survive as a species. So we're already programmed to go down that road. Now, you mix that with hundred, hundreds of years of culture where leadership has generally been driven by threat state language. It's not easy to just turn off overnight. It takes practice. It takes development. It takes a bit of awareness. Uh, but if we can implore and develop in our leaders to be able to say, listen, you know, it's important that we think about the language we use in meetings and in our communications and on emails. And really, we want our staff to be engaged and come on the journey with us and be accountable for their actions and not create this consequence driven, reprimand driven, us and you mentality. It's so important. and It makes such a difference. Yeah, and if, if if you're getting to a situation where you're having trouble communicating with a certain member of your team, think back and think about the language that you're using when you're communicating with them. Absolutely. You're part of the problem. I bet you'll find you're part of the problem. You know, and, and no one's perfect, Spencer. We do this for a living, and I have no doubt that me and you get caught up in threat state language sometimes. We all do it. I've said to my kids in the last 24 hours, stop doing that, and you don't do this, and if you do that, that'll happen, Right. But, but I quickly correct myself. I notice when I'm saying it now, and more often than not, as a, cons as, as, a, as a general rule of consistency, I communicate in a challenged state way. I am more focused on what can be done and what we control and how we do things with a healthy level of consequence than I am consumed by the future and the what-ifs. And, and ask yourself that question when you've listened to this podcast. Which side of the fence do I sit on in life? Am I generally more focused on what might happen and the consequence of actions and things or or am i more focused on what i control what i want to achieve in the here and now answer that question because you probably have a gut feeling and your gut feeling will probably be right and all you need to do is make a change you need to start thinking consciously about it and make a change <laughs> spencer are we, are we there i think we're there 33 minutes <laughs> 33 minutes. And, and again, final, final comments, Spence, before we sign off, because I'm going to bring this up and I know you won't mind, but I think you've been a little bit on this journey in the last six months. We've mentioned on previous subcasts that, you know, you, uh, you had a recent diagnosis of type 2 diabetes before COVID. Yeah. Uh, you've always been, you're an ex-military man, you're a proud man, you're a, you take on the world and you've always, always been more of a challenge state person than a threat state. But when something like that happens and dealing with COVID now following a diagnosis of diabetes, which then puts you in the high risk bracket, I think it's, it's probably by your own admission, it's just caused you to be a little bit more threat state than you usually would be. Would that be a fair comment? Uh, it would be a fair comment, but I think it's, uh, to be honest with you, I think it, I was on threat, I, I was in threat state before I got the diagnosis because I didn't know what was wrong with me. Yeah. Now I got the diagnosis. I sort of went right. Okay, I know what's what's wrong. The only person who can do who can change this is me. So yeah. do it. So I, to be honest with you, I've been. I mean, you might not have noticed it so much because of obviously straight after my diagnosis we went into lockdown. But I've been so I've changed my lifestyle dramatically um, since the diagnosis, which happens to be during lockdown. Um, but yeah, I, I've been, I, I honestly think, um, I've been more challenged it than threat state because I know what, I know what to do and I know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. And it's in your control, which is yes. the main thing about challenge state. What do I control, uh, the, the, the things that I need to do in order to avoid any consequence I might get me thinking of anyway? If the answer is yes, 
then that's when we humans are at our best. When we don't control the things that we're worried about, that's when we're in the threat state and we're at our worst. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Spencer, uh, loved that, mate. I think we could talk all day about it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that's been useful for some people um, as we go through the coming weeks and months uh, and people who maybe by their own admission, being a threat state. Think about the way you speak to yourself in your own mind. Think about the way you speak to your partner, your kids, your friends, your colleagues, your bosses, your staff, whatever it might be. Think about the language you use, the words you use. Where is your focus right now? The majority of time, it will be mixed. But on an average, you know, on a consistent basis, are you more threat state or are you more challenged state? And if, you, if your answer is the former, then you need to make a change. And you can do that because you control the language you use, right? And uh, I think if people do that, they won't go too far wrong. Spencer Locker, thank you very much, mate. Cheers, Martin. Thank you. And we'll be back shortly with another T. Thank you.